Listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke, your daily Broncos podcast. The Denver Broncos knock over their first domino of the offseason by releasing a veteran player on Wednesday. Plus, we take a look at the top three wins of the 2020 NFL regular season for the Broncos, and we discuss our offseason predictions for the team. Welcome back into a brand new episode, Locked On Broncos, your team every day from the South Stands to the end zone. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, senior NFL analyst at ProFootballNetwork.com and Broncos Insider for the Locked On Podcast Network. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. You can follow the podcast at Locked On Broncos and also make sure to hit that like button on Facebook. If you're a brand new listener of the show here today, welcome into the show where we bring you daily news, content, and coverage of all things Denver Broncos related all year long, five days a week here, the Locked On NFL Network. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a lot to talk about here today. Happy Thursday. Hope you guys are doing well all across Broncos country. The Broncos released a veteran player to get started with this offseason. We talk about the overall impact impact of the move, why it didn't work out, what's next for Denver at that position, and how it maneuvers the cap space. And we also get a little bit of an insight into some of the offseason predictions that we have. I'll share mine, and some of Broncos country will share their responses as well. Plus, we analyze three of the Broncos wins from 2020 that were the top three wins out of a five-win season, so really not much to choose from. But we highlight the three games that stood out to us in 2020 from a Broncos win standpoint. With that said, let's get into the news of the day here, folks, on today's episode. Locked on Broncos on your favorite podcast provider, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and our good friends over there at Spotify. The Broncos yesterday, they released cornerback A.J. Bouye, and this was a move that I think everybody had anticipated coming in, and ironically enough, in yesterday's episode of the podcast, we talked about, obviously, with the new defensive backs coach, Christian Parker, the fact that more than likely Denver would have to look at the cornerback position because it was expected that A.J. Bouye was going to be released. Well, bam, the next day, A.J. Bouye is no longer a Denver Bronco, and he was a key free agent acquisition that the Broncos traded for during the NFL free agency period last year with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, Bouye still has a lot of good football left in the tank, but for Denver, this was a move that cleared up cap space, and it frees up around $11.7 million total of cap space, and that puts Denver right around $32 million according to over the cap when it comes to looking at Denver's financial situation. Obviously, there are some more moves expected. Keep an eye on Jarrell Casey being the next focus of discussion here for the Broncos front office, whether or not they're going to release him, ask him to restructure his contract. Denver could also ask several key players to restructure their deals. One of the things I'm going to look at, Kareem Jackson, Denver could ask Juwan James to restructure his contract because he hasn't provided much contribution at all since John Elway signed him as a free agent. He's only taken 63 snaps in just two seasons so far being on the roster, sat out all of last year, so imagine that Denver is going to ask him to move some of his money around. We'll see if that's the case. It would be too much of a financial burden for Denver to release him outright because of dead cap hit altogether. Denver would free up some space, but the dead cap hit would impact them even further, and still paying on some dead cap salaries on some players that went elsewhere overall. So Denver's not looking to add to that. They're looking to try to free up some space in the right manner. And Kareem Jackson, as I mentioned, could be one of those guys. Von Miller, his club option is coming up here very soon for the team. So the team is going to more than likely work out trying to extend Von, spreading the remaining money of his salary throughout three seasons or potentially two and seeing where they go from there. And I'm going to share a little bit of an excerpt from my man, 
Ben Stecker, who sent me an email with his thoughts on what the Broncos could do financially to create some more cap space altogether. I'll get to that here in just a moment. But obviously, in terms of talking about A.J. Bouye, the impact of the move, the Broncos, you know, it was a low-risk, high-reward type advantage for them to be able to trade for him. They felt like he could still contribute at a high level. And, you know, when he was healthy, he did. I mean, he was playing really well against A.J. Brown in that Week 1 opener against the Tennessee Titans. Separated his shoulder, unfortunately, He missed some time there. He came back and played really well. Then he got a concussion against the Los Angeles Chargers with some friendly fire by Kareem Jackson. And then from that point, he returned, played against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night football, and then he was suspended for six games by the NFL for a peds violation stemming from something related to Houston with the trainer that he was working with. And he's going to be suspended for the first two games of the 2021 NFL regular season. So right now there is a team out there potentially that could pick him up as a gamble, live with him not playing the first two games, but overall try to transition him after that two-game schedule. But obviously his time in Denver is up. And unfortunately it just didn't work out with Bouye, who just couldn't stay healthy. And, And I think ideally if he would have stayed healthy, I think it would have been a great fit in Denver. I liked how he played against the New Orleans Saints as well, going against Taysom Hill, going against Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. He had pretty good coverage. His deflection and coverage on Michael Thomas led to a St. Bassey's first career interception. So there were some things that I liked about A.J. Bouye. I was an avid defender of his play. Now, there were some times where he struggled. I think a lot of that is a product of not playing. I mean, being injured and missing some time, not being able to practice, and then coming back and trying to be in a game shape, especially covering wide receivers, it's not going to be a very beneficial outcome, I think, for Bouye uh, in the long run. But now he has an opportunity to train all offseason. He is eligible for whatever team he signs with to be able to participate in training camp. But once the season rolls around weeks one and weeks two, he cannot be in the building. He cannot work with that team exclusively. So I imagine that the Broncos are going to potentially look at a cornerback in free agency. I just don't see them gambling on a young guy on the outside in the NFL draft with another young guy opposite of him as well with Bryce Callahan being a veteran guy option inside the nickel already. So I imagine Denver could take a look at several free agent options. We talked about Patrick Peterson potentially being one for the Broncos a couple episodes ago here on Lockdown Broncos. That is something that could be on the table for Denver, but we'll focus a little bit more on the cornerback position altogether for the Broncos on tomorrow's episode of the show. Sarah Bettinger of Predominantly Orange recently released an article about free agent cornerback targets that Denver should maybe take a look at. We're going to talk about those options with Sarah tomorrow, and we're going to project some nice fits here in Denver, folks. But obviously, with some of this shuffling around of the cap space, it appears that Denver's top priority appears to be Justin Simmons and Shelby Harris getting those two a deal, and that was something that was put out there by a good friend, Benjamin Al. Albright, obviously, of Broncos country tonight on KOA and iHeartRadio. So, obviously, a situation to monitor there. The Broncos getting the offseason going with their first move by releasing A.J. Bouye on Wednesday. But Broncos country coming up here in just a moment, we're going to focus on our top three Thursday segment where we focus on the top three wins in the 2020 NFL regular season for the Denver Broncos. But before we do that, folks, I got to tell you guys about the sponsor of today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. That's our good friends over there, rockauto.com. And chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are always reliably low. Rockauto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers on for over 20 years and you could go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers this past summer the sun in colorado the altitude just faded away my black steering wheel cover so i needed a new steering wheel cover for my vehicle so i went to rockauto.com and i placed an order and i received it in a timely manner and it didn't cost me too much to get there that's why i rock with
with rockauto.com. They have everything that you need from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you get everything that you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts elsewhere? You can go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write Lockdown Broncos in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. rockauto.com Before we get into our Broncos top three wins of the 2020 season, I want to tell you guys about a very special show that we have here on the Lockdown Podcast Network here this month. In February is Black History Month, and the Lockdown Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and the success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Lockdown Presents More Than the Game. Don't miss this week's episode featuring Candace Cooper of Lockdown Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Lockdown Women's Basketball discussing the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. There's a new episode coming next week, so go ahead and subscribe to the Lockdown Presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcast. But let's dive into our top three wins for the Denver Broncos from the 2020 NFL season and consistently throughout this offseason here, Thursdays will be specifically themed for top something. One of the top trends, top passes, top touchdowns, top sacks. We're going to focus on something specific. It could be from the season. It could be all time. We're going to have very interactive fan segments here on Lockdown Broncos. But starting things off here with the top three wins for the Broncos here in 2020. Starting off with, I think, the biggest win of the season for them early on was against the New England Patriots. The Broncos, despite the game being postponed several times to accommodate New England, the Broncos traveled to Foxborough to take on Bill Belichick and Cam Newton and that Patriots offense. At the time, the Patriots were still a pretty strong team. They had everybody necessary in that matchup altogether. So the odds coming into it, Denver was heavy underdogs in this game. Now, coming into every game in 2020, Denver was the underdog uh, in all the sports books and all the matchups. They were not favored. So obviously, you could take for that what you may, how Vegas feud the Broncos in 2020 here. But the New England game was the return of Drew. Drew Locke. Drew Locke hadn't played since the week two opening series, the first two series of the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. There was a delay, obviously, in timing. You know, you had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game in week three. You had the New York Jets game week four. Week five supposed to be the New England Patriots game. Well, then all of a sudden, that game gets postponed initially. It's scheduled for a Monday at three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, in, in terms of that whole broadcast on ESPN, it's part to be a doubleheader. It gets postponed yet again to accommodate New England as Denver followed protocols to put the Broncos in in a rough position altogether. Denver ended up losing their bye week in general because they practiced in week five as they if they were going to play on Sunday. And then the NFL said, nope, the game's not happening. That was your bye week. Now we're going to continue on the rest of the season. You guys will play next week. So Denver travels into New England. Drew Locke is back under center here for the Broncos. And Denver got off to a pretty good start. I mean, the first play down the right sideline, Tim Patrick, Drew Locke throwing a 40-yard bomb down there. So we saw that the Broncos with Drew Locke, they were going to test out the shoulder. And of course, they did so by throwing deep against that New England Patriots defense. Look, that secondary they had was legit, even though they were out with a couple of key players like Patrick Chung, who obviously had opted out. Several other key players as well that they're going to get back in 2021. Uh, but Denver came into this game with Philip Lindsay returning as well. And it was a big boost that, in my opinion, the Broncos needed it the most. Now, in this game, no Noah fan for the Broncos. He was still dealing with that ankle injury he sustained against the New York Jets. And we got to see Albert Okuebunam make his debut for the Denver Broncos. And Drew Locke went to him. This was a game where you could say that the wide receivers for Denver hurt Drew Locke, hurt the Broncos' offense because of drops. 
Jerry Judy had a key drop on a corner route. Albert Okwebelen had a couple of drops. Dever just struggled with the drop issue altogether. But one saving grace that they had was Philip Lindsay coming back. And Dever ran a lot of that counter, they a guard counter, where they would pull the play side guard all the way out to the outside, and then they would take the counter step, and then bam, they'd get off to the right side or to the left side. Dever had a lot of success with that play out of the shotgun in 2020. And we'll see if they could do a little bit more of that in 2021. But obviously in this game, Drew Locke trying to get things going. The Broncos would then hold on defensively, get a key fourth down stop as the New England Patriots were driving. Vic Fangio dials up a double safety blitz, and the pass falls incomplete, and the Broncos would hang on to win this game 18-12. to And I also want to pinpoint, too, this was not a game where New England was viewed as a slouch. Now, New England had their evident struggles as the season went on, but to start the season, New England was playing really well against Seattle, who is the top offense right now in the, you know, in the NFL at that point. Uh, they played really well against the Kansas City Chiefs. There were a couple of poor calls in that game, one where there was a strip sack fumble recovery that got called as down. It ended up being an incomplete pass. They called it that, and then New England, you know, they had to settle to return a punt rather than having the ball and, and taking over there. New England, in my opinion, would have beaten Kansas City if that call didn't happen. I mean, it was a terrible call there altogether. So New England was a very tough team for Denver coming into it. And I think this gave a lot of Broncos fans some hope and some optimism that Denver could be pretty good in 2020. Unfortunately, we saw the, the results of inconsistency kind of play out, and it impacted Denver. So this would be one of their five wins of the season. Now we're moving on to the second game, the second overall win of the top three wins in 2020. And I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins game here, folks. And the reason I say that is because the Miami Dolphins were a team that was just absolutely beating up on everybody. They beat the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, they were having the most uh, turnovers generated. They were scoring a lot on defense. And that amoeba look defense that they had, they were just sending pressure. And, and you didn't know where it was necessarily coming from. So for Denver coming to this game, the first offensive series, Drew Locke throws an interception to Xavier Howard and puts them in great field position. And everybody started wondering, what is this game going to go like? All right, it's already going to go downhill from here after this interception. But Drew Locke comes back in the second series, leads the Broncos offense down the field, moves the ball well. The Broncos have a decent run game. They have a decent passing game too with Nick Vanette getting involved as well in terms of some of the chip releases, Noah Fant. You started to see a you know, constant utilization of both Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, and that worked out really well. So the offense for Denver was able to get going. This is where we started to think that, okay, Denver can stack some of these performances towards the end of the season, still have a chance to potentially make the wild card if they could win out. But obviously, there was a long road for them considering some of the tough opponents that they had to finish the season. Uh, but altogether, Denver defensively came to play. Now, they gave up a touchdown early on A.J. Bouye against Devontae Parker. Goal line fade, pretty damn good coverage. Really couldn't discount it there. Uh, but the Broncos were able to find ways to pressure Tua Tango Viola a lot. I mean, Vic Fangio created the blueprint. Once again, and don't, I want to, not ignore this fact here. Miami was coming off of two wins. They, they came off a win against the Los Angeles Rams, and then they came off of a win on the road against the Arizona Cardinals, who were one of the hottest teams at the NFL at that point, in a shootout where Tua was playing really well. Vic Fangio created a blueprint to fluster the Miami Dolphins rookie quarterback, and, and he had nothing. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in and tries to get a little bit of Fitz magic there at the end because of a Melvin Gordon fumble on the inch yard line that would have given Denver the easy win. They would have won probably more comfortably at that point. So Ryan Fitzpatrick marches him down the field, and luckily Justin Simmons makes the game-sealing interception to give the Broncos a 20 to 13 victory over the Miami Dolphins. One of my favorite wins of the season when going back and watching the film just to see how Denver took it 
to Miami. I mean, this was a physical game. And coming into the matchup, like I mentioned, because of Brian Flores' defensive philosophy, how aggressive he is in nature when you factor in Byron Jones and Xavier Howard in the secondary, the safety play that they had, you, you thought coming into this matchup that, I mean, you know, Denver doesn't have a chance because these guys are true, legitimate, lockdown, man-cover corners, which allows them to blitz out of that amoeba look, allows them to send all this pressure, and then they have the cover guys that they have faith can stop and lock down guys. But even Xavier Howard even said, even Byron Jones said that Jerry Judy was such a hard cover because of his release off the line of scrimmage. So there's things I think that Denver fans can build off of from some of these games, these performances. I encourage you guys to go to NFL Game Pass and be able to watch these games. Go back and watch it from the All-22 angle, though. Don't watch it from the game broadcast. I want you guys to watch the game from start to finish from the end zone angle and the sideline angle. So the sideline angle obviously plays first, and then you're going to get the end zone angle. But watch it, and you're going to see a lot of different things and also play the plays over a few times over. I mean, you're going to get a lot of clarity out of it all together there. So Drew Locke started playing really well there and everyone started to wonder, okay, is this going to be it for Denver? Is Denver heading in the right direction here? So that was kind of the, the high note to the later half of the Broncos season altogether. Now I want to get into one of the uh, the funnest games of the season, I think, for Broncos fans. You know, a lot of Broncos fans that I talked to after the game, they were so excited because Denver had some resiliency. We saw them fight, and we saw Drew Locke and the team make plays that demonstrated that this could be a team that has some special capacity to them. And this is the Chargers walk-off game. This was earlier than the Miami Dolphins game. This was after the New England game. And the Broncos came into this game. They were down significantly uh, going into that fourth quarter. They're down by 21 points. They come back and they win the game. Drew Locke to K.J. Hamler for the walk-off victory here. That was something that was very special, the drive there all together by Denver being able to piece it together. The comeback, obviously, big plays by Jerry Judy, big plays by Deshaun Hamilton, really a Emerging and stepping up for the Broncos when the team needed him the most. And obviously, A.J. Bouye went out in this game with a concussion due to some friendly fire by Kareem Jackson. But really, in this game defensively, I think the guy that set the tone for Denver it was, in fact, Kareem Jackson with some of the hits that he had on the running backs. Now, granted, Denver gave up over 200 yards rushing in this game. They, they wanted to find a way to stop the run, and it was very different. Obviously, life without Mike Purcell was something that Denver struggled with, but Denver was really taking advantage of in this game off of the edge of the line of scrimmage in terms of some of their contain. They were pretty solid, pretty stout on the inside, but when runs got to the outside, running backs were able to get more yards after the catch, and, and obviously going against Mike Williams, going against you know guys like Keenan Allen, that was a different difference maker in this game. No Chris Harris Jr. for the Chargers here, but so Denver's able to capitalize on really just the kind of a bland defense that LA ran. I mean, they ran the same defense, a same three-man front, sometimes a four-man front. Melvin Ingram would be a stand-up, you know, linebacker guy. He'd twist into the A-gap. Very predictable. And then Joey Bosa obviously had a concussion and went out in the pressure from that point. Changed for Drew Locke and the Broncos offensively, but I would say that one of the turning points of this game as well, outside of Kareem Jackson's hit on the running back, would be Bryce Callahan's interception in the red zone. This came off of a Drew Locke interception. Then you have Justin Herbert coming in, who's lighting the Broncos up at that point in time. He tries to throw a fade ball to Mike Williams, who's one of the, the best 50-50 jump ball guys in the league. Bryce Callahan's technique was perfect. He timed it perfect. And then he comes away with an interception. The Broncos have life, and that would fuel them to come back from 21 points down to win this game. 31-30 to 30 over the Los Angeles Chargers. And there were a lot of questions because Drew Locke was being booed off the field in the first half. Denver as a whole were being booed off the field in the first half. So a resilient nature for them. You can see that Denver has it in them to be special, to overcome that. But if they can find themselves in a position where they're playing ahead, 
not putting themselves in a hole in 2021. I tell you what, folks, I think the Broncos can be dangerous next season. I really do believe that. But Broncos country coming up here in just a moment. We're going to get into our offseason predictions altogether. We're going to share some responses on Twitter as well. My predictions that I have, we factor in some of the voices in Broncos country coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, folks, I got to tell you about the other sponsor of today's episode, Lockdown Broncos, our good friends over there, betonline.ag. And BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bet, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Jumping into the fourth quarter of today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. I mentioned earlier I was going to let you know what my buddy Ben Stecker said to me via email. He was projecting the Broncos' free agency budget, and this is what he came up with. He put this together with OverTheCap.com, which is a very fun tool to utilize. But he said that he extended Von Miller for two more seasons at roughly $11 million annual value. So altogether, they're you know, paying him $11 million per year for a two-year extension. Justin Simmons receiving a five-year contract extension, roughly worth fourteen million. $5 million on average per season, and then extended Shelby Harris on a four-year deal with roughly $7 million per year as well. Kareem Jackson extended three years and roughly $10 million per year on average. That money fluctuated across three years, and the exclusive rights free agents tendered would be Calvin Anderson and Deontay Spencer. The restricted free agents second-round tenders go to Alexander Johnson and Tim Patrick, and then the players that were cut would be Darrell Casey, A.J. Bouye, we obviously saw that happen, uh, Jeff Driscoll, and Deshaun Hamilton. And he says Devers' cap estimate left for 2021 would be around $35.4 million altogether, and Denver's estimated draft pool cash would be around $8.9 million. So the total budget for free agency would be around $26.5 million altogether. So if Denver could be around the wiggle room of 25 to even $30 million for free agency in terms of a budget, I think Denver will be in a good position there. But even coming up with some of these extension deals or even asking certain guys to restructure their contracts can obviously increase the value for Denver overall. So Ben, thank you so much, my man, for your suggestion. I thought it was a very good idea altogether. But now getting into my offseason projections here for the Denver Broncos. One of the things I predicted here, and, and this was kind of along the lines to generate some discussion here and eager to hear your thoughts, Broncos country. Obviously, a lot of responses on my Twitter at Cody Work NFL. Uh, the first thing I said that I predict for the offseason, we'll see if any of this comes true, which I imagine I could end up going four out of five on this. I could go five for five. I'd be excited either way here because I think Denver's getting a good deal. But Justin Simmons signed to a long-term deal. That's one of the first things I predicted about the offseason. Shelby Harris getting signed to a contract extension. That's going to be something that Denver is working on as well. And then Denver signs a veteran or talented cornerback in free agency. Something to keep an eye on, obviously, with the release of A.J. Bouye. Uh, we're going to have Sarah Bettinger on tomorrow's episode, Lockdown Broncos. He and I are going to preview available cornerback targets that could be good fits in Denver or that Denver could target. And I'm looking forward to having that discussion with him at Sarah Bettinger on Twitter of Predominantly Orange. And then some other options for Denver, looking at veteran options at quarterback in free agency more than likely going to be the route for them. Obviously, as the new league year approaches here in just about six weeks, we're almost to the five-week point altogether. It's going to get very interesting, folks, here in the next week or so. So buckle in your seatbelt, strap in, and hold on for dear life. It's going to be fun. We're going to have you covered here, Lockdown Broncos. And then my final prediction for the offseason, 
I said that Denver will be in play for Micah Parsons at pick number nine. And I had some people respond to the Parsons one saying that they were wondering about the character concerns, the maturity questions, some of the things that are going to be an issue coming into the NFL draft this year for Micah Parsons. And I'm going to let the NFL and I'm going to let the Broncos and teams do their due diligence. They're going to ask him upright. They're going to ask people around him upright about his character. They're going to ask him about some of the hazing situations that went on at Penn State. And he's a young guy that could learn from it. You know, and here's the deal. I think, yes, absolutely. If everything that was said had happened, happened, then the concerns are very disturbing, obviously, there. But then I also understand, too, being a teenager and being in a locker room and seeing people at times, how they acted in locker rooms, that's something that you consistently see. Not saying that it's right, but in locker rooms, when you were a teenager in high school and even at the collegiate level, hazing is a very real thing. And it's something that I think a lot of universities and coaches have cracked down on, which is phenomenal. There is no place for that in the locker room, but it does happen. I'm going to let the Broncos interview Parsons. I'm going to let them go through the process, and they're going to determine whether or not he's mature, whether he's learned from it. And obviously the people around him are going to have an input in that as well. And I think for his sake, I I hope that the answers are that he did learn from it and that he's a better person, that he's grown up from that situation, from being young and immature and obviously uh, with some of those things, reckless. You you can't have that, especially coming to the NFL. If you are those characteristics or those qualities – You're not going to have a very long career in the National Football League. So obviously love that uh, for the Broncos. If, in fact, that he does, those character concerns do get cleared up. He'd be a great fit from a football and personnel standpoint in Denver. But if not, folks, I keep pounding the table here for Justin Sternitz. So keep an eye on that as well. So Denver might have that option there, or they may just go best player available altogether at pick number nine. But those are my offseason predictions for the Broncos. And I'm eager to hear what yours are. Send me a tweet at Cody Rook NFL with five bullet points. Five predictions that you have for the Broncos here this offseason. I'll be sure to interact with you, share it, retweet it on Twitter and social media as well. And if you ever want to get on the text message Tuesday text line for next week and future shows, don't forget to text me at 303 329-6323. I go through hundreds of text messages every single day. I try to respond to every single one. So if it takes me a day or two or three days to be able to respond to you, please don't think I'm ignoring you. I try to get to everybody. I appreciate you guys taking time to interact with me. And in the meantime, if you guys love Locked On Broncos, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it would mean the absolute world to me if you would go to Apple Podcasts right now and write a review. And when you write a review, tell us why you love the show and then leave us a five-star review. We're trying to get to 300 total ratings right now. We're not too far for 272 we're pushing for 300 and if we could get five star reviews for that it'll propel us up the charts even further broncos country as always thank you so much for your time here on today's episode lockdown broncos happy thursday enjoy this if you're listening to the evening or the afternoon or in the morning as you're getting ready for work if you're driving to work i appreciate you guys as well don't forget to follow the show on twitter at locked on broncos you can follow me at cody work but with that said broncos country i'm cody work host of lockdown broncos we'll see you tomorrow sarah bettinger on tap for Friday's episode of the show.